everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Will Brinson is on summer vacation number two by my count. So today is me, Ryan Wilson, joined by Sean Wacker-McGuff and John Breach. Uh, but before we get into football, first things first, poker fans, it's that time of year again. The World Series of Poker is almost here. It's the 50th year, the most popular poker tournament in the world. You can have a front row seat to the bracelet events with CBS All Access. Starting now until July 16th, you can live stream the final tables of 33 of the World Series of Poker bracelet events, including 25 events that you can't watch anywhere else. The bracelet events include a $100,000 high roller and $100,000 six max. There's going to be a showdown of some of the biggest names in the game. The stakes are high, the tension is palpable, and the winnings are huge. You can watch all the events online or through the CBS app. Just visit cbs.com slash poker or download the CBS app on your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, or Apple TV. You can get a free trial, so start watching today and don't miss any of the action. So today, Tuesday, as I mentioned, it's me, Sean, and John. Brinson is on vacation. But on Wednesday and Thursday's episode, Prisco and Brady Quinn will be here to break down Pete's list of top 100 players. They will probably all include running backs, so check back for that. But for now, how are you guys doing? Who would you guys say is handsomer out of Prisco and Brady Quinn? <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> it's, it's a close race. It's it's a close race. I will say this. Prisco tweeted out probably two weeks ago now. Someone sent him a photo of when he was working in Jacksonville. Oh, my God. I saw that. From the 90s. And he has a head full of hair, which is crazy. Did you see that picture, John? I did see. My mind's still blown from I haven't recovered from this. This is like two weeks ago. I never knew that Prisco ever had hair. I thought he came born bald. Not only did he have hair, he was handsome. And I'll let you guys guess who I thought, or maybe you can tell me who you thought, famous person, celebrity that he looked like to me in that picture. You guys have any? any I'm, I'm going to be too young probably to know. Joe Pesci? <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I was I was going to go with uh, uh, Andy Garcia. He reminded me of a young Andy Garcia. I didn't tell him that and don't tell him I said that. But, um, you know, yeah, I can actually see it. Yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, before we move on with the with the list of Prisco's top 100, um, my guess is number one is probably that hair that he had in the 90s. You guys want to take any guesses of who he's going to pick to be on uh, at the top of his top 100? Anyone with fancy hair, he loves hair. I, w- I mean, it has to be maybe Mahomes. I don't know. I think it has to be Mahomes. I was going to ask you guys over under 20 for Russell Wilson. I was going to say Russell Wilson. He has to be under at 20. R- Russell Wilson would be lucky to be on the list. And you know what else is funny about the Prisco picture? Is that so? It's from like 20 years ago, I think, like 99, 2000. And Tom Coff, Tom Coughlin is in the photo. He looks the exact same age. Right. <laughs> Tom Coughlin has been 65 forever. Forever. Uh, yeah. So we got to find that picture and we tweet it. We'll tweet it out maybe um, Tuesday afternoon when the podcast goes live, just so you uh, people listening can see just how handsome Pete Prisco once was. Uh, not as handsome as Brady Quinn, but at least he he had something going for him up top there. All right, let's start off with Todd Gurley. This is John's beat outside of special teams. Gurley's trainer, uh, he says uh, Gurley has an arthritic component to his knee, which is sort of interesting based on what you talked to Sean McVay about at the Combine back in March. But he hasn't been told that his plan or uh, his uh, – there's no – he hasn't been told of any plan to decrease his workload. And our guy Dave Richard, the uh, CBS fantasy guru, sounds like he spoke to the agent. And, and here's what uh, – excuse me, the, the trainer. Here's what the trainer said. Quote, everybody knew when Ty came out of Georgia that, that there would be some kind of arthritic component to his knee because he tore his ACL and that gruesome injury. Uh, continuing, which is part of every surgery, whether it's a shoulder, a knee, an ankle. He's now to year five, Mark. 
All we're doing is managing that. If we can pound him less in the offseason while keeping his weight down, working on his strength, working on his agility in short areas, that's going to give him a better chance to be healthy weeks 14 through 17 when they really count, end quote. Worth noting, um, he didn't play towards the end of last season. He played in the first-round game and actually ran pretty well in the playoffs. The second-round game, he was pretty much a no-show, and we know he was a no-show in the Super Bowl. So, John, uh, what level are, uh, of concern are you as John Breach and Sean McVay? I mean, for me personally, this is like DEFCON 5. Uh, McVay, the Rams, they're playing everything down. But, like, you know, this girly thing has turned into the CBS Sports Beat because I'll go back to March real quick with, you know, I talked to Sean McVay and, and a little bit about that. And, and what my source told me was that it was – and, you know, McVay said different stuff at, that my source said. But the one thing I will say – is that I was told at the time there was a little mystery about the knee and they didn't know how it was going to respond to treatment necessarily. And then that's when uh, I think Phil Howe from The Athletic came out and with the arthritis thing. And now the crazy thing is that we have Dave Richard talking to the trainer. And here's the thing, is the Rams have spent this entire offseason tiptoeing around the issue. Les Snead, Sean McVay, they both got asked on the spot about arthritis and basically ducked the question. And now how do you think they feel logging on to CBSSports.com today and seeing that, boom, Todd Gurley's trainer just came out and spilled all the marbles out of the bag? This is something they just haven't wanted to talk about. So now there's going to be even more questions here. And quite frankly, this is not making me feel any more comfortable with Todd Gurley's knee. And I was already uncomfortable with it. Doesn't so- it? Go ahead, John. Doesn't all of this just make their decision to give him that extension less than a year ago, by the way, all the more puzzling and perplexing? I mean, uh, you just mentioned that, you know, whether his agent or trainer said this is something that everyone knew was going to be a thing because he had that gruesome knee injury in college. So why in the world are you giving him a four-year, $60 million extension? Look, even if he didn't have that um, lingering knee issue coming into the NFL – we're always talking about all the time how you shouldn't give running backs big money. And then you add in the fact that he has a knee problem. And I'm just, I brought up his contract while John was talking and they can't really get out of this deal anytime soon. I mean, he only has a cap of nine million this year, which isn't that bad. Dead cap of 35 million. Can't cut him this year. Can't cut him next year. He has a dead cap of 25 million. So they're going to be stuck with potentially a running back they can't really use as a, um, you know, as the workload guy. And, Ryan, you also mentioned his stats. I just want to – I did this for the running back rankings when I left him off – or the top 2,525 list when I left him off the list. So he averaged 98 rushing yards per game in the first 12 games of the year. Over the last five games of the year, three of which were playoff games, 47 rushing yards a game. So yeah, basically it, the uh, the Jared Goff of running backs is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean pretty much the entire Rams offense collapsed. And if that's the kind of production they're getting out of him for the rest of that contract – that will go down as an all-time bad contract, I think. All right, two things. One is that Dave uh, Richard, who talked to the trainer, will be on later in the week to talk more about that. And two, we'll get back to sort of what's going on with the Rams and contracts and young players with Jared Goff in a little bit. But, uh, Sean, you touched on it. And uh, it sounds like Bruce Arians wouldn't have been one of those people to pay Todd Gurley a lot of money because he's happy to roll with two mediocre running backs, and I'm being kind when I call Ronald Jones mediocre. I think he played in eight or nine games last year, averaged 1.9 yards per carry. He was a second-round pick. But Bruce Arians is like, uh, I like our backfield. 
quote unquote, I think it's an, it's an okay backfield. <laughs> I love this guy's honesty. He continues. There's not a David Johnson or a Todd Gurley, incidentally enough, but you don't need one. And so I look back quickly when he was with the Steelers, they had Willie Parker towards the end of his career. They had Rashard Mendenhall, who was never playing like a first round pick. And then he was fired. And that's when they drafted Le'Veon Bell. Those teams were prolific offensively, primarily because uh, Roethlisberger was throwing jacks down the field and taking 50 hits a game in, in that Bruce Arians offense. How do you feel about this, Sean, in terms of B.A. being fine with not having uh, a bell cow, quote-unquote, like a, a healthy Todd Gurley? So I think he's generally right that teams don't need the David Johnson. They don't need the Todd Gurley. It's great if you have them, but once you have to pay them, it's probably not worth it. However, I don't agree that the Bucks have that okay backfield that you kind of need because I think if you don't have a David Johnson, you still need a balanced backfield that can do everything, that, that can catch the ball, that can pass block. Um, that can be productive when they do carry the ball. And look, you mentioned Ronald Jones. I mean, that was a disastrous rookie season. He, he, he got 23 carries over the course of the year, picked up 44 yards. And then you're looking at, okay, so now you're going to rely on Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber was actually okay over the course of this season. It wasn't terrible, but he doesn't really catch the ball. He only caught 20 passes. So I'm looking at that offense and what we just saw in Arizona with the most recent Bruce Arians offense, we saw how much David Johnson was a receiver. And David Johnson, before he had the um, week one injury in 2017, was talking about how he wanted to become, I think, the third player ever to go over a 1,000 yards as both a receiver and a runner. And that seemed really possible because of how much Bruce Arians offense relied on David Johnson as a receiver. They don't have a guy anywhere close to that. And that kind of concerns me um, for the Bucks because I think – Bruce Aarons is right. You don't need to have a great running back. The problem is I don't even think they have two okay running backs. I think they have two below average running backs. So, John, as someone who watched Bruce Arians and Big Ben light up the Bengals week in and week out during their time together, are you at all concerned that uh, Arians can't turn around, touch, uh, touchdown, he wishes, uh, turnover machine, Jameis Winston? Because I feel like that offense is going to look a lot better than it has in recent years. I mean, maybe. I don't know if I think it's going to look any better than it has in the past. I know Bruce Arians definitely opens it up a little more, and Jameis Winston could thrive in that. But I think a reason why an offense like that works is when you have that safety outlet. Uh, you know, when Bruce Arians was in Arizona, Carson Palmer, he has a cannon, but he also he always had David Johnson. You always had that security blanket. You always had that safe play that the Buccaneers really just don't have unless Jameis Winston starts throwing to his tight ends a bunch. And I, I feel like you don't need a star running back to succeed. I think that's become pretty clear. But you need something. You know, they don't have anything. So That's very like, disrespectful to, to backup quarterback Blaine Gabbard, but go ahead. Well, unless the uh, Buccaneers are going to fire Bruce Arians and hire Cliff Kingsbury and run a five-wide offense with no running backs, you've got to have someone back there. And, you know, unless Ronald Jones – just turns it around. I mean, we saw nothing from him last season indicating that's even possible. I, I mean, I just see this offense floundering. Bigger bust, uh, Ronald Jones or uh, the, the the kicker they drafted in the second round? What's his name? Oh, it's Aguayo by a mile. <laughs> it's not even close. Who will have scored more points by the end of their Buccaneers career? <laughs> that's an interesting question. There you go. I think it's Aguayo, so he wins. And he's a former Bears player, too, so he's got that going for him. The Bears gave him a chance, right? I don't know if he kicked in a game. He was. They signed him, and they 
had two kickers. I think he they cut him like a week or two. A field goal in one of their preseason games. Oh, was it the preseason? I can't. And then I and then I think he got cut like a week later. Yeah. But let's let's not forget that the Buccaneers traded up for Aguayo and uh-huh. that Jason Light still has a job there. Well, it's all on you, Bruce Arians, and uh, the good news for Ronald Jones is there are no expectations, I suppose. Um, all right, speaking of B.A. and his relationship with the Steelers, let's talk about Pittsburgh because, John, I'm sure you're sad to know that Le'Veon Bell is gone, Antonio Brown is gone, all the locker room issues are gone, everything's going to be perfect. Uh, it is June. They're not playing for anything. But Roethlisberger told ESPN, quote, you know it's been a little crazy the last few years. Um, this is Ryan Wilson talking. A lot of that is Roethlisberger's created uh, – Big Ben created with the the radio show and sort of calling people out. And he continues, quote, maybe more so than usual than we're used to dealing with. So kind of to get back to, quote, unquote, normalcy is kind of nice. So end quote on the the quotes there. So last year they missed the playoffs. They started 7-2-1. and one. They limped to the finish line. Um, the year before they won 13 games and, and the, four, the three years prior to that they went to the playoffs. We talked on one of the podcasts recently uh, about whether they're the underdog in this division or not. Will normalcy make things better for Big Ben and uh, in a in a non Le'Veon AB team? No, I think that the, <laughs> the Steelers are totally like some people need crazy in their life. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember the '90s when Madonna was dating Dennis Rodman and then Jose Canseco. Like oh, yeah. some some people just need that craziness, and the Steelers strike me as that team. There's got to be something that kind of counters the Roethlisberger drama that you just mentioned. That guy is creating his own drama every week that just gets overlooked because Antonio Bell is creating crazier drama that gets overlooked because Le'Veon Bell sitting out the entire season. So there's just all these layers here. And if you tear them away, you know, if, if something bad happens off the field and it's Ben Roethlisberger's fault, there's going to be no fall guy. This upcoming season is just going to be, oh, my God, maybe all this was all Ben's fault and then the team's going to implode. So I think they do need some craziness. I don't think the normalcy is going to help. Doesn't mean the Steelers are going to be bad, but, you know, somebody needs to stir the pot and start some drama at training camp just to keep this team running at their normal, which I think is crazy normal. You called him Antonio Bell, which I think now (laughs) we should call call both those guys Antonio Bell. They're one person. As someone who went to Miami with Big Ben, was he crazy then? I mean, look, he wow. had – a lot of players on the football team would be on the strip on uh, Uptown, which is where the bars are, and that wasn't too surprising. So, like, he was a guy that liked to have a good time. But, again, he was also on the football field, hands down, the best player on that team. So when we talk about him calling out players on his radio show, that's something he did in college. He threw people under the bus all the time. But in college, it didn't matter because he was so – like that team wasn't any good without him. I think Miami finished 10th in the country uh, in 2003, and so no one ever questioned him. It was just what he did, and you know, when you get that enabling behavior, it led to the NFL, and then you know, 15 years later, he's won this many – multiple Super Bowls, and, and no one's going to turn that off at this point. Did he ever get guys- past to Sean McVay? He did not. McVay's freshman year was 2004, and Roethlisberger mm-hmm. left after 2003. All right, over, over under – week eight that Ben Roethlisberger makes some critical comment about um, James Washington for dropping a pass. I'm, it's going to happen. I don't, I don't buy yeah. this. He, It'll happen. But what happens sooner that or Antonio Brown or excuse me, Antonio Bell explodes on Derek Carr. <laughs> That's happening on, on hard knocks. Here. Or let's just have, what are the odds that Roethlisberger says, screw it. And I'm doing my radio show this year. Cause he still hasn't, there was that report that he wasn't going to do it, but now he's like, no, I haven't, I'm, I still might do it. That's what he said in his last interview. Uh, yeah, Mark I think, Twally, I think he does it. 
Mark Cavalli of the Athletic actually wrote on Monday that he may do it. If he does do it, it may be in another station in a different format. So I don't know what that means. I, I like that he thinks the problem is the radio show. The problem is not the radio show. There are plenty of quarterbacks who have radio shows. The problem is when you have the radio show, you can't blast your teammates. Like, yeah, the, no the one problem- is saying cancel the radio show. Just control yourself. And like be like a Russell Wilson, JJ Watt, and just say the PR or a Tom Brady and hang up on the on the on the DJ. <laughs> and the DJ. problem's not the format either. They could do it in Jeopardy format, but if he's going to answer it with the form of a what question, is James so, Washington. Yeah, <laughs> who's the guy that dropped all the passes this weekend? He's like banging on the buzzer. All right, fair enough. So, Sean, uh, where's this team finish? We talk about this every podcast. Where's this team finish in the NFC, in the AFC North? Uh, first or second, but either way, I think they're a wild card team. John, do you, are you hoping they go Sorry, one and a playoff team? By the way, I, I think they're nine or ten wins. So that's probably agreeing with Sean that that's either first or second in the AFC North, but so they, also not getting a bye. So they could win ten games, and according to you, the Bengals could win ten games. This is going to be quite the division. <laughs> Everyone's winning. They're all winning ten games. <laughs> all right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back for more football action. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so we talked at the beginning of the podcast about Todd Gurley paying people. What are the Rams doing? Do they uh, give Todd Gurley that money too early since he has now arthritis in his knee? Next up, extensions for these quarterbacks. Uh, Wentz got four years, $128 million, which works out to about $32 million a year, I believe. Dak Prescott, and John, you wrote about this uh, over the weekend, I believe, is next up. And Michael Irvin, who says a lot of crazy things, I thought made a lot of sense when he was saying that the Cowboys have lost a lot of money by not paying Dak Prescott earlier. Now the floor is 30-ish, 32 million, which is where Carson Wentz is. When is Dak Prescott getting paid? And is Michael Irvin right? Um, like you just said, I love to agree with Michael Irvin. I don't love it, but he's absolutely correct here. And Dak Prescott should have gotten paid in April. The Cowboys blew it. So like, this is all about you letting Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones run the team. They're just doing whatever they want. They didn't want to overpay for Dak Prescott. Well, now they're going to have to overpay and plus add more money on top of overpaying. 
because they let Carson Wentz get this deal first. Because you look at Wentz's contract, he still had two years left. He had the 2019 plus his fifth-year option, 2020. Same situation as Jared Goff. Dak Prescott, one year. He can literally – they're going to have to franchise him after the 2019 season. He now holds all the leverage, whereas Carson Wentz necessarily didn't. They probably could have gotten Dak Prescott for maybe $30 million a year, maybe $29 million a year if they got this contract done in April or May. But now there is 0% chance if I'm Dak Prescott, I'm taking less than Carson Wentz. So now you're looking at like $33 million. And if they let the Jared Goff deal sneak in there and get done before it, they're going to have to give them even – Dak Prescott's going to end up at like $50 million a year because the Cowboys keep waiting this thing out. So, Sean, is there any way that Jerry and uh, Jerry Jones – what's his son's name? Uh, Steven. Steven, thank you. They let Dak walk because they don't want to pay him because they got Zeke to pay. they got to pay Amari Cooper. But Michael Irvin made this point. He goes, listen, just look at the Jaguars and the Dolphins if you want any indication of what a team looks like without a franchise quarterback. You have one sitting there. If you don't pay this guy, you're a bunch of idiots is basically what he said. But, I mean, the Cowboys have done crazier things. Yeah, but I – if if Dak does leave, I don't think it would happen for a couple of years because they still have the franchise tags, and I think at worst just they pay could them use them. it. Why, why not? Just no, pay I agree. I think they should pay him, but I don't think there's any way Dak could leave Dallas in the next two years because teams have the franchise tag. I think they would use that if they don't want to give Dak all that money. They're gonna have to though. I like. I think Breach is right. I think they kind of blew it by letting Wentz go first. They should have went before Wentz, and now they're gonna have to give him at least thirty-two million, maybe more. I mean, they might be looking. At what Wentz got and say, look, our guy hasn't missed a single game, and look at that injury-prone guy getting $32 million. Um, I mean, it's funny. Like, Zeke is a better player relative at his position group. But if you're talking about who you want to give it an extension to, I'd much rather give it to Dak just because he plays such a more important position. Yeah, and no, let I've... me throw in – sorry, Wilson, I'm going to throw one more thing in here, is that uh, the report from Dallas that Dak's agent asked for $34 million per year – and so you notice that report came out after the Carson Wentz contract. If you would have said $34 million a year for Dak Prescott on May 1st, everyone would have been laughing together on Twitter at the absurdity of Dak Prescott getting $34 million. Irvin. Yeah, even Michael Irvin. And now now that the Carson Wentz deal is done and you're looking at $34 million a year, now I feel like you just sign him up for that contract and get him to sign something right now so you just don't have to deal with that number getting any higher. You'd think. If I'm Jerry Jones, here's what I do. I bring in offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, head coach Jason Garrett, and said, "Listen, if you don't sign, if you don't what sign this, 20, if you don't sign this 25 million dollar year contract, you're looking at your two starters right here. <laughs> Let Kellen Moore and uh, Jason Garrett coach play, and send, and maybe uh, I don't know what that would look like, but that, that's Plan B, I think. If you're if you're Jerry Jones, that's just me spitballing here. All right, let's talk about your alma mater, Sean, the Cow Bears, home of Jared Goff. Also, who has not gotten paid yet? There's some conversation that he may not get paid this year. Um, Les Snead has said nothing heavy, no heavy lifting yet towards his contract. And then he went on to say, if a quarterback can prove he can win in this league with two division championships and get to a Super Bowl, I think it's obvious that at some point he will get a long-term contract from the Rams. Now, Goff's entering his fourth, fourth season. Sort of weird that he says at some point. I mean, either you love this guy or you don't. I don't love Jared Goff, but I mean, I don't know if the Rams are going to. Are they stupid to let Goff walk in, in the same way that the Cowboys would be? And if so, what are you paying this guy if you're keeping him around? Well, I think they're going to have to pay him the Carson Wentz money. Um, because, I mean, Les Need said it, quarterbacks go to the playoffs twice, they go to the Super Bowl, they get paid. That's just kind of the way it works. Now, would I give Jared Goff money? No. I would much rather let Sean McVay take someone cheaper 
Um, because I think, I think all of us on this podcast are mostly in agreement that we think Goff benefits greatly from Sean McVay's system. Um, he's not quite as good as his stat line indicates. If you put him on another team, he probably would not be nearly as good. So I would let Jared Goff, maybe not walk, maybe try to trade him uh, to some quarterback desperate team. And look, we just saw the Jaguars give Nick Foles a lot of money. Someone would want Jared Goff if Jared yeah. Goff is made available. And I think the idea is you let McVay build around a cheap, younger quarterback, and then you can spend money the way they've spent money recently on the positions around the quarterback. I don't think that'll happen, though. I think they're going to have to pay him because it's just it's too hard for a team, I think, to sell the idea of this quarterback is 25, 24 years old and took us to the Super Bowl, and now we're letting him go. But I would much rather have Andy Dalton at his contract versus Jared Goff at $34 million. Yeah, I don't even disagree with that, sadly. Uh, John, let me ask you this. And you've known Sean McVay since college. And, you know, we talked about what he did for Jared Goff. How good a coach is Sean McVay if Blake Bortles has to play? What kind of Blake Bortles are we going to see? Oh, I want to see that. For the L.A. Rams in a Sean McVay offense. Blake Bortles in a Sean McVay offense. The Rams are nine wins at best, which is still an insanely high number. That sounds good, though. Is that For a Blake Bortles. I think that's good. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go 13 and three like they did last year, 12 and four. So definitely higher ceiling with Jared Goff. But here's the thing is that this is going to be a big year for Goff and McVay. Cause you look at what if, you know, we saw the Rams offense kind of fade down the stretch. Was it Gurley's injury? Was it Goff struggling? You know, he got just annihilated in that game against the Bears toward the end of the season. Was it teams starting to figure out Sean McVay's offense? I mean, are people going to try and take a blueprint of what Belichick did, of what the Bears did, of what the Eagles did towards the end of the season, and and, and shut that offense down? Because what if you sign Jared Goff to this extension for $34 million a year, and then the offense struggles, but it's not necessarily Goff's fault. It's that people are starting to figure out McVay's offense. And, you know, Jared Goff, McVay's holding his hand in that offense. We know that. You guys know that is just he gets a little more help than most starting quarterbacks do from their head coach. You know, like, could you imagine Aaron Rodgers in Sean McVay's offense? Mm. That would be insane. But if you can't get that kind of guy guaranteed, somebody who can make changes on the line, who can see what McVay sees on the field, then I think you have to stick with Goff. And I don't think uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to flip to the Rams anytime soon. Also worth noting that the Rams are going to lose their left tackle, Andrew Whitworth, probably in the next year or two because he contemplated retirement this offseason. And what does Goff look like in an offensive line without Andrew Whitworth? And they already lost um, Roger Saffold this offseason, so I'm already interested to see how he deals with a little less stability up front this year. Let me ask you guys this. If you... If, if Jared Goff's agent said, all right, you guys can just structure the deal however you want, and my client will accept it, how much money are you paying Jared Goff per year? Can be any, I mean, if you think he's only worth 14 Andy Dalton money, then that's what he gets. Uh, I mean, wow. That's really? unreasonable. You can't say like $2 million. Right, yeah. I, I, have to, say. I have to look real quick at where he's on Football Outsiders in terms of just – I mean, I think like a fair thing for me is like I think he definitely would deserve to get paid at least what – Nick Foles is making. Like, I think he's better than Nick Foles. Um, oh, by the way, just quickly, Sean, it's worth pointing out, he was six in total value, according to Football Outsiders, and six in value per play. A lot of that's Sean McVay, but a lot of that's Jerry. No, I mean, it, it seems funny that we're having this debate, because if you told anyone, a 24-year-old quarterback 
who's thrown for like over 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns and 10 interceptions the past two seasons on average was available for a contract and you didn't say who that quarterback was, every team would sign up, right? And so it's definitely like we're probably being a little bit too hard on Goff and a lot of his struggles did come against good defenses. Um, that said, I'm just, I'm just very wary of teams giving 30 plus million and committing that much cap space to one player. That player better be really good. You better be sure of it. I'd, I'd give him just looking at that. And we, we probably putting too much weight on how crappy he was down the stretch. But so Derek Carr's 25 million on average. Jimmy GQ's 27.5. Kirk Cousins is 28. I think he's between Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's the 30, the first, he makes 30 million. He's the lowest paid $30 million a year quarterback. So I think between Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan. Like between 25 and 30 ish. No, between 20, 30, he makes 29 million basically because Kurt's at 28. But I think you pay him but more. But those than guys you. are overpaid or I don't think Matt Ryan's overpaid, but Kirk Cousins is overpaid. But are you paying him less than Jimmy Garoppolo who makes 27.5? I mean, I think I would rather have Goff than Garoppolo, but just because what about someone Goff else was. Or Derek Carr? I'd rather have Jared Goff than Eric Carr. Yeah, so he's making twenty-five. Right, so. but I'm saying if I mean, yes, this factors in. But if breach is hypothetical, how much would we be willing to pay? Just because those teams were stupid enough to overpay for mad quarterbacks, I'm not going to do the same with mine. But over the course of the season, he actually put up really good numbers. In terms I know. Of- yeah, it, it's going to be funny because we're trashing him, and Jared Goff's going to throw for four thousand yards and thirty thousand yeah. ten interceptions. Well, right here, here's here's the reason I asked that hypothetical question. Because look, if I'm the Rams manager, there's this this thought that, hey, any quarterback can succeed in Sean McVay's system, but also, hey, Jared Goff could actually be really good, and this isn't all McVay's system. I make an offer of like thirty million dollars per year and say, take it or leave it. You don't want it, then we'll go get a new quarterback. We're offering you fair money, and we don't care. But if you do take it. We're fairly paying you. You're not, probably not getting what you want, but you are secure in a system where you know you're going to succeed. And we do know, having watched you play with Jeff Fisher, that if you end up in a crappy system, you're not going to be good. So you're going to sacrifice a few million dollars to say in this system where you're going to succeed. Why wouldn't you not give him the deal this summer and let him play? And he still has a fifth year option that is at 22, 23 million. Are they? I feel like that is the most practical way of doing it is don't give it to him this summer. And if he, for the next two years, ends up doing what he's doing, then, yeah, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. And it's going to be more than $32 because other quarterbacks are going to keep cool. getting paid in that span. But I would like to see him do it with Andrew Whitworth aging, losing Roger Saffel. I would like to see him continue to do it before you decide to pay him. It could be the Dak Prescott argument. Why wait? Yeah. I mean, if you wait till next year, maybe it turns into a Joe Flacco situation. No, I, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, you guys are right. There's definitely that risk, but I feel like there's also a chance that, I mean, we're all of us here. Didn't we all pick the Seahawks to win the division uh, yeah. this year? Like, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the next couple years. I think the Rams are going to be good, but if they kind of take a step back, um, I, the timeline I want to live in is I want to live in. I don't want anyone to get hurt, but. For some reason, Goff has to miss a month, and I want Blake Bortles to set the world on fire, and then I want there to be a quarterback controversy in December of Goff versus Bortles. That is, that's the timeline I want to live in. I feel like that's going to happen too. Uh, Jared Goff seems like a super swell guy. I don't know if he could withstand the pressure of Blake Bortles getting called to be starting quarterback. All right, let's talk about some more contracts. These are non-quarterbacks, however, but these are big names on their respective teams. Julio Jones. Which one of these guys gets their contract done before the season? Julio Jones, Jadavian Clowney, Bobby Wagner, or Michael Thomas? Breach, we'll start with you. 
Um, out of that list, I'm going to go with Jadevian Clowney. I just don't, the Texans would be absurdly dumb not to get a deal done just who's as gonna, soon as who's possible. Who's going to negotiate the deal? I was going to say. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Exactly. They're firing their general manager maybe so they didn't have to get this deal done. That's, that, that's Bill O'Brien's way of getting Clowney out of town. Sorry, we don't have a general manager to negotiate with you, so, uh, you're just message. gone, dude. Well, it was yeah. reported that before he got fired, Brian Gain was shopped him to the Chiefs before the Chiefs got Frank Clark. Um, so I think part of the reason they said Gain got fired was his lack of progress on the Clowney extension. But I have no idea what Bill O'Brien thinks. All right, who you got, Sean? Uh, Julio Jones. I think didn't Arthur Blink come out recently? Um, and said it's going to happen. And in March, he said, I think at the owners' meetings, and Julio said last week that um, Arthur Blank's word is quote gold. So he takes him at his word. He doesn't seem worried. He showed up for um, mandatory workouts last week. He didn't participate fully. I think he said it was maintenance or, or whatever. Um, but this is worth noting. We're talking about contracts. He makes fourteen point two million a year, which ranks twelfth, just ahead of your guy Sean Allen Robinson. So I think that's uh, clearly an indication that he deserves to be paid more. I think Michael Thomas is an interesting one. I was on HQ talking with our guy Tommy Tran on Monday morning about Michael Thomas because here's the deal. He's uh, making $1.15 million on the last Jesus. deal. I know. That's insane. <laughs> um, they can clearly franchise him. I don't know what the franchise number is, but it's going to be pretty high. But here's the other deal. Drew Brees is 40. He is, they can get out of that contract next year if they want to. Teddy Bridgewater is on a one-year deal. If you're Michael Thomas, Breach – is there any reason you wait to see what the quarterback situation is before you commit the next five years of your life to Taysom Hill short hopping your passes? I don't think that's crazy. Okay, here's the thing is you're going to give up. Say he signed an extension. He's probably going to get about $50 million guaranteed, maybe $60 million. Uh, so you're passing up that money for one year. But, you know, if you feel pretty good about your conditioning, don't think you're going to get injured in 2019. I don't think that that's crazy. Drew Brees, you know, we've seen his – he doesn't have the fastball he used to have. He's not going to play much longer. And I definitely don't want Taysom Hill throwing me passes if I'm Michael Thomas. You're not getting over 100 receptions in a season with Taysom Hill or Teddy Bridgewater, whoever would end up being the future quarterback in New Orleans. So, I mean, Wilson, it sounds crazy for uh, someone to just sit up at a contract negotiate on the bench and say, you know what, we'll just hold off till next year. But maybe in this situation, it's not. The only problem is that he's only made like four or five million in his career. So I feel like. You know, he's in great shape, but one ACL. But so you're already used to not making a lot of money. So you're, you're just, but I also feel like he's craving that first big contract and deal with, what do you mean? How do I know? This happens to every single player. Maybe he's different. Not Jim Breach. Not Jim Breach. Yeah, but here's the thing. He's going to ruin his third contract by trying to catch passes from Taysom Hill. Yeah, but he needs to sign his first contract first. And I, I don't know. I think when you've made that little money in your career, if someone's offering you, what Odell Beckham makes eighteen million a year. If someone's offering you that kind of money, I don't think you can turn it down. Because what happens if you suffer a career-altering injury and you're stuck with your four million when you could have had eighteen million for that for that season? Let yeah. me ask you this, Sean: How many receivers have suffered career-altering injuries in the last five years? How many top receivers? I don't know, man. This wasn't on the rundown. I, didn't do research. <laughs> I, I can name one: Antonio Bell. Um, all right, so <laughs> Josh McCown retires. Uh, wait, wait, my favorite contract what? situation, I just want to give it a plug real quick, is Robbie Gold in San Francisco. That is like a nuclear meltdown. I'm watching too much Chernobyl. Uh, that that yeah. is a disastrous right, situation. Kyle Shanahan is literally doing interviews and saying, I have no idea if he's going to show up. I hope he's there in week one. 
but no one's telling me anything. I don't know. If you don't know you're going to have your kicker in week one, that is just a disaster waiting to happen. I love the situation. I'm going to keep an eye on it all summer. I'll update you guys. Send bigger, to the Bears, please. I was going to say bigger disaster, the Bears kicking situation or not having Robbie Gold. I would say going to week one without a kicker is At bigger than – right now the Bears have someone two. who would try to make it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is his name Blewett? No, they cut him. I know. You can't have someone named Blewett trying to kick field goals. All right, Josh McCown retires. He never blew anything. Um, I think, God, he must be close to 40. And he still has the spiky 40 this summer. 10 yeah, teams. He still has a spiky haircut like he's from uh, Stand By Me. Did you ever see that movie, John? Uh, John probably saw it. Sean, did you ever see Stand By Me? Oh, money. John, did you see it? Um, I haven't. God. I know what it's about. I know what it's about. Keeper Sutherland. Um, oh, really? I love Keeper Sutherland. Some Jack Oh, it's an awesome movie. Keeper Sutherland and uh, River, River Phoenix. Rest in peace. He's in it. It's a fantastic movie. Check it out. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, anyway, so uh, talking about Josh McCown, anyone have a favorite journeyman quarterback? I have one, but you guys can go ahead. Sean, who you got? It's probably Josh McCown because I'm a Bears fan, and that 2013 season. Oh, God. When they benched Cordell, how rude. Wait, the Bears? Oh, no, that was that was the Jay Cutler era. Cordell. Yeah, that was – but in that 2013 season, he played in eight games in relief of Cutler, who was hurt on and off the entire year. He threw 13 touchdowns and one interception. Now, I was not a fan of the quarterback controversy when Cutler was coming back from his from his injury, um, but that was a really fun stretch of play. He beat the Packers in Lambeau. That was the game where Rodgers broke his collarbone when Shane McClellan sacked him. Um, Biggest he play of his career. dismantled the Cowboys on, that, on Monday Night Football. It was like a 40-point blowout, and he threw like five touchdowns. It was an incredible stretch of play. Like I, I can't remember the stats at the time, but he had like a five-game stretch where only like Peyton Manning matched it once in the season. Um, so I will always cherish that season, and cherish. I do remember how funny it was when the Bucks with Lovey Smith oh, gave him all that money, and it was and the most eight. predictable failure ever. He lost eight straight, I believe. I'm just going off the top of my head, maybe more. He was at a press conference it crying was, about how poorly he was playing. Guess who he was playing over? Uh, that was Mike Glennon, wasn't it? The former Bear, future Bears quarterback, Mike and, Glennon. And uh, Brent's his favorite player and boothmate, whose tweets he deletes when he talks about him, calling him a giraffe or whatever he called him. John, who's your favorite journeyman quarterback? I can't believe Sean didn't say Jim McMahon. I feel like McMahon qualifies. Oh, he counts? Okay. He plays, plays for more than six teams. Um, I'm just that, a little bit too young. That yeah. is not my favorite journeyman quarterback. My favorite journeyman quarterback, I'm going back to my childhood, youth, Gave me so many pleasant memories during a dismal decade that was the 1990s. It is Jeff Blake. Oh, God. My favorite thing about Jeff Blake, ECU grad, is that every time he threw a pass, whether it was a bomb or a screen pass, the ball went out of the television screen. It was so <laughs> so highly thrown. Every he, threw, he, he threw the rainbow <laughs> pass, played for the Bengals for six seasons, started, I think, like three or four of those seasons. That's all he did. They were so horrible, and all you hoped for was one Jeff Blake touchdown pass, and you, you didn't care if the Bengals lost by four touchdowns as long as you got that one Jeff Blake touchdown pass. Sometimes there were two if you were lucky. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, he ended up going to the Pro Bowl with, I think, the Ravens. So, like, I mean, he had a crazy career. He played for Sean's Bears, played for the Eagles, played for the Jets. Might have been another team or two. I think the Saints. Uh, so he had a pretty crazy career. Shake and Blake. My favorite – Journeyman quarterback, it's touchdown Tommy Maddox. Oh, XFL star. <laughs> first XFL round pick, MVP. First round pick of the Denver Broncos when John Elway was still there. 
that John Elway wasn't crazy about that. He ended up in the uh, XFL and the Arena League, was selling insurance, then joined the Steelers, and Cordell, before he was terrible with the Bears, was sort of imploding with the Steelers. So he replaced them in 2002 and led them to the playoffs. 2003, they won six games. 2004, uh, he got hurt in the first game of the year, and Big Ben has started ever since. But uh, that dude had a, like a hot stretch for like a week and a half, and, and then that was all she wrote. What are the uh, qualifications for Journeyman? Is it number of teams or years? Longevity number of teams and not starting a lot. Okay, okay. So like Jake like, Plummer doesn't count. I would say at least 10 years and at least five or six teams. Yeah, I don't think Tommy played for five or six teams unless you count all the Arena League teams. I think you count that for Journeyman stuff, though. I think that like at enhances to the Journeyman status. So is Kurt Warner Journeyman? That's what I was another. I would one. say, I I would say Kurt of. Warner. If you play for the Giants, the Cardinals, the Packers, the Packers, the Barnstormers. Uh, I mean, there's that's it's a pretty the Rams obviously. There's yeah. it's, it's a pretty extensive list. All right. Well, he's. A I think it's, it, you only count as a journeyman if you didn't like win anything. You weren't notable. I don't. I guess if you go to the Hall of Fame, you can't count as a journeyman quarterback. That's what, well. Why not? Why can't you just be one of the best? Like Kurt Warner is probably the. Greatest journeyman quarterback of all time. Well, he'll have to own that. You can ask him next time you see him. Blake right, Gabbert's going to climb up the rankings, by the way. Give it no, a year or two. Blake, Blake Bortles, sir. We need um, to have a whole entire podcast on what qualifies as a journeyman quarterback. And uh, not right, Al so, Brinson. So finally, let's talk about Michael Pierce, who uh, last week at Ravens minicamp was sent home. Not sent home, sent off the field like during stretching or something by John Harbaugh for being too fat. And he's a, he's like the defensive tackle. So I, I saw that on Twitter, and my first reaction was like the headline is "fat person accused of being fat." But apparently, you know, there's some concerns that he's too fat, even though he's a really good football player. I think um, he just signed a one-year deal. He was an undrafted free agent, so he had his three-year contract expire. Signed a one-year deal. He has a chance to make a lot more money. Uh, he told um, a radio station in Alabama, that, here's the explanation. Quote, throughout the offseason, I tend to lift more than run. That's the old Ryan Wilson plan there. Uh, being a nose guard, I want to be stronger or whatnot. I honestly just mismanaged my running a little bit. <laughs> End quote. Sean, uh, do you buy what Michael Pierce is selling, and are you concerned about a fat guy being fat? No, I'm not. I'm not concerned. I mean, if this was training camp, I think I'd be a little bit more concerned just because it might impact his preseason reps. But I think the Ravens defensive coordinator even came out and said, like, he was disappointed. But at the same time, this guy's a good player for us. He's going to be a good player for us. It's June. Let's not overreact to it. Um, but it's kind of, I mean, it's just not a smart thing. If you're entering a contract year, this is not the way you want to start. And I find it hard to believe, I know he's only been in the NFL for a few years, that you don't know how to manage your running at this point in your, like, athletic career to be in football. He's 340 game. pounds. Why does he need to run? Well, I mean, you, you gotta, gotta stay still be, you gotta have like stamina. To, it's still tiring to be yeah, there in the trenches. It just it, it it's a bad start, but I I'm gonna guess I'll put a prediction that he's gonna be pretty highly paid at the end of this year. John, have you ever mismanaged running to the point where you're lifting too much weight? I mean, when when he says he tends to lift more than run, is it like lifting Funyuns and Doritos uh. and Twinkies <laughs> oh. and pudding? Because I don't know how you can fall this out of shape. In this big of a year, we're just saying he was undrafted. He signed an unrest- or a restricted free agent tender for this season. And here's the thing is I think pro football focus, he was graded as the Ravens' top defensive player last season. Third best defensive player, fifth best interior defensive lineman. So he is in line to make some serious cash next March if he stops eating Twinkies and runs a little bit. So, like, I thought this was crazy that this happened. Uh 
But, you know, this is like us. If you played high school sports, like high school football, as soon as the season, you go out and you're at Taco Bell and downing like 10 tacos and you don't even pay attention to your weight or anything. So, you know, it's he's, he's living his best life. He's got two months till training camp. As long as yeah, he's in Sean, shape by training camp, I don't think it matters. Sean's talking about Michael Thomas not really getting paid. Uh, Michael Pierce went from making whatever, $300,000 a year to $1.15 million. So, yeah, he went out and got some tacos. And, uh, um, the well. one thing I'll add is that uh, – this, I mean, I don't really care about, you know, players who skip voluntary OTAs and all that, but this is probably why coaches always want their players to attend voluntary OTAs because he didn't attend the voluntary sessions. Um, they probably would have liked to address He was this. lifting. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> and they, that's the he, thing. If he would have showed up in April, they, they would have red flagged it right away and been like, all right, well, we need to get you into shape because you should not be 412 pounds. Listed at 340, by the way, which is apparently generous. Oh, Jesus. Give the guy a break. Like John said, he's living his best life. All right, that's a wrap on the Tuesday edition of the Pick 6 podcast. Tomorrow and Thursday, it'll be Pete Briscoe, a.k.a. Andy Garcia, along with Brady Quinn, and they'll talk about Pete's Top 100 players list. Hopefully Tim Tebow makes it. Hopefully, who else do we say we wanted to make? Russell Wilson uh, in the top Russell 20. Russell Wilson makes the top Antonio 20. Antonio Bell. Antonio Bell better be number one. <laughs> I'm going to kill somebody. Uh, but for me, Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner-McGuff, John Breach, we'll talk to you guys soon.